The game in Sacramento, Sacramento, California, the the city of trees. It's uh it was a hell of a game, overtime game for the Phoenix Suns this evening as they traveled to the city of trees to take on those kings in a pesky, frustrating, uh, ad- a game full of adversity. DeAndre Ayton fouled out. Devin Booker fouled out. JaVale McGee fouled out. Jay Crowder, Matthew, goes down with a an apparent ankle injury, which could have been called a flagrant foul, but was called nothing. It's funny because, Matthew, two podcasts ago, we were sitting there talking about refereeing, accountability, yada, yada, yada. And this is what we get. This is, yeah, I don't know when it's really going to start. But these ones, these refs were kind of different. They didn't look like they belong. I don't think I've ever seen them before. I mean, have you seen these refs before? I don't remember their faces. They obviously weren't in the game. They obviously didn't know what a call was. A call that was called was never a foul. A foul that was on the floor never was called. So that's the way this game went. Um, but Sun still won. How the hell did they win yeah. this one? <laughs> against all adversity, against everything possible, the Sun still pull this one out. It's it, it's impressive. It's you know, this reminded me of a game for those of you who are Arizona Cardinals fans. This reminded me of a game against like the the Los Angeles Rams, and going back to the days when they were in St. Louis, it felt like every time we played against the Rams, it was a physical, drawn out penalty penalty laden affair and that's what happens when you play those division games the sacramento kings a a team that is hanging out as per usual at the bottom of the standings for some reason always give the suns fits and it's because of the division standings i don't know if the suns weren't focused coming in but obviously they had a ton stacked against them no cameron Payne announced an hour and a half before the game no CP3 still, although he's starting to shoot around. And it looks like he's getting a little bit healthier. No Cameron Johnson still. Everything stacked against this team. Somehow, some way, they pull a victory out uh, from the depths of a loss and win f- their 58th game of the of the year. And this is definitely going to be one of the games where, uh, you know, we're fans, Matthew. We're we're going to share our feedback, good, bad, or indifferent, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, playing in Sacramento, all those fans coming out there, it's a Sunday game. It's probably their first sellout crowd in a long time. Um, kind of probably gave them a little bit of juice, I think. And um, it always it always seems like uh, someone's always out before the game. It always seems like. If it's for the Suns or it's another team, it's like, oh, this person's out. It's always just very random. And it's just okay. They're out there sick. I mean, there's there's – purpose of why they're actually out but it's just like always someone's out like cameron johnson when he was out he got hurt the game before mm-hmm. but now he's out like it's just it always just happens right before the game it's like dude are you serious i mean the suns are on a roll all year but it doesn't matter i guess well well again part of it is the simple fact that again you know the the suns are learning to not learning but they are navigating the process at the end of this season so maybe campaign had a little hiccup or something before the game hiccup and they're like, yeah, take the game off. We're playing the Kings. No big deal. We'll start True. off with Peyton, you yeah. know? I mean, that's kind of where we're at. Jay Crowder took a couple games off because of a hurt dick. So it's just all these different reasons <laughs> during these last 11 games for the for the Phoenix Suns to rest their players. One thing you can't rest is the Phoenix Suns' will to be aggressive and their competitive spirit. Because this is a game, for all intents and purposes, when all of the calls were not going their way, they could have essentially just mentally packed it in. Like, you know what? This isn't our night. No big deal. Let's go home. We're going to be at home for a couple days before we fly up to the uh, to the cold, the frozen tundra of Minnesota to play the Timberwolves on Wednesday. So you know what? We'll just we'll just pack this one in. But no, their competitive spirit shines through. They win this game one twenty seven to one twenty four, and we have plenty to talk about on this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast, don't we, Matthew? We sure do, John. All right. Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Suns Jam Session podcast. You can follow the show at Suns Jam on Twitter. You can follow Matthew on Twitter at Matthew Lucy. And you can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. If you want to become an elite jamster, go to the YouTube page, hit the join button. One thing that we did this past week is we re-released our first ever episode together. That is strictly for elite jamsters to watch. And one thing that we're going to be doing, Matthew, I haven't even told you this yet, but uh, just play along, is... One thing we did when we first started our podcast is we created some pretty cool content. We had 
our top three dunkers in Phoenix Suns history, our sit bench and start uh, players for, you know, going by Jersey history. So we'd sit there and go over Jersey history number. Every, everyone who played in Phoenix Suns history wore, who wore Jersey number one, we'd start bench and trade. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to re-release those podcasts in video form only for our elite jamsters. So the only way to access that content, again, hit the join button, become one of those elite jamsters. It's going to be really fun to do. Uh, I'm popping open a beer, man. I don't know about you, but this is one of those games that definitely predicates me having a little something, something to drink. Are you going to be drinking anything? No, I got to pick up my aunt from the airport. So I don't think it'd be very nice of me to drink a beer before I go. Eh, send an Uber. <laughs> who's this darlene darlene's here she's All back right. in town baby darlene's in town let's go cheers let's talk about this crazy fucking game in the city of trees uh on city this nice trees. yeah city of trees sacramento there you go you the, the more you know An overtime victory for the Phoenix Suns. Their second overtime victory on the season. They had defeated the Portland Trailblazers on December 14th by a score of 111 to 107. They are now 2 and 0 on the season when it comes to those overtime games. Matthew, I got to ask. Matthew, I got to ask. Is this one of the most egregiously refereed games that you've seen in a long time, or were we literally just having this conversation last week? Yeah, it is. I think there was one last week that was pretty bad, and I mentioned that. This one kind of tops that one, just because it was very uncertain what the rest were going to call all game. And it ended up just being anything that was a little bit of a touch on the hip. That was a foul. The DeAndre Ayton one where he fouled out, you know, hands on the mm-hmm. back. It may have been a push, but I mean, how many times do refs really call that? in a game like this where the guy's not flailing on the floor, he barely moves out of the way. And that's DeAndre in six foul might've cost the Suns a game because that was a putback attempt that you yep. know gave us the lead. So that was huge. And that was a bad call by the refs there. Even the Booker one where he fell down Booker, you know, good on him, man, for getting back to the bench and not getting in the rest face and getting us, getting them a technical, yeah, that technical yeah. before he left. Um, so I just I think these are these are tough to watch. I think Monty um, is very vocal still, uh, even during the games. He's on he's all over the refs, so he's making sure that they know before going to the playoffs. That, hey, like this has to be a little bit more fair because like what are we doing here with these refs? These calls. It's just I'm I'm serious. If I don't if I didn't do the pod and didn't like hanging out with you and you and the jamsters and all this shit, I would think I think I'd just be done with sports. It's kind of pointless. I really don't understand what we're doing here, what we're watching. Yeah, it's it's funny because I, I really am excited to see whatever Monty Williams has to say after this game because he was he was pissed the majority of the game, and when the final buzzer sounded, you saw Monty Williams go right for the refereeing crew. It's like, listen, there's no technical fouls that can be called now. I'm going to tell you what I really yeah. think of the performance that you put forth today. The Phoenix Suns were hit with 30 fouls in this game, just for a point of reference. The Phoenix out the Phoenix Suns highest foul total entering this game was 27 on the 25th of February against the New Orleans Pelicans in a loss. They had 20 or, or 27 fouls in that game. They had 30 in this one. 30. And conversely, the Kings were called for a total of box score, please. 21. So a nine foul disparity. Uh, if you look at the free throws, 36 total free throws for the Kings, 27 for the Suns. And and know that of that 27, about six of those came in the final minute when they with the back and forth fouling to end this game in overtime. So it was really like, you know, like 21. And I, I don't want to sit and pine on the referees. We just did this last week. But I will say this. Th- this is my one thing when it comes to the referees. Throw some fucking respect on the Phoenix Suns name. Like, seriously. Like, seriously. This is a team that is the best team in the NBA. They're the best road team in the NBA. They have the second best offensive rate or defensive rating in the league. They have the first overall net rating. They're a good team. Give them some credit. 
The Kings are the ones who, in theory, should be called for every tic-tac foul. But when you undercut Jay Crowder and you land in his space and he twists his ankle, they didn't even allow the Phoenix Suns an opportunity to try to call a timeout to review the play to see if it was a flagrant foul. That's where I got frustrated. That's when the tipping point is. Because I will say this, and, and I'll, I'll throw it out there. I'll call a spade a spade. I typically do. When you don't have CP3, Cameron Payne, Cameron Johnson, you, you're missing three quality members of your team. So, yeah, you're putting out Alfred Payton to start. You're putting out other players who might not necessarily have the same level of experience on the court. And they might be a little bit more foul-prone. I understand that. I can completely understand that. But when the Jay Crowder play happened, and they didn't even give Monty what Monty was trying to call a timeout. And they didn't even allot him an opportunity to say, hey, can we take a look at that play? My guy's on the ground hurt. And if, when you watch the play, was it blatant? No, but Justin Holiday landed in the space, or he he his foot was in the space in which Jay Crowder was uh, supposed to be able to come down mm-hmm. safely, and they didn't even allow him. To, that's that's when I kind of got frustrated. That's when, as I was writing the recap for the Bright Side of the Sun, the article took a dark turn, Matthew. Yeah, and they they honestly they can't see, of course, everything. And that's what's the worst part is when they're so delayed on calls when they're not even watching it, and then you see the replay how the refs just like then turn their head and then they call the call after the foul foul may have happened, may have not, because they didn't see it. That's the worst part is because they can't see. And the words we were talking about last time, how maybe it should be four refs on the court. That would be kind of cool just because they have more eyes on the court. But I don't, do you feel like it's more calls against the Suns or for the Suns is more annoying? Like offensively, when Booker's not getting the calls, like the, the call against Sabonis, where Sabonis even found him the first time, really. He had his hand on his hip, and they called a foul. The next one, he like drilled him on the floor, and Sabonis had his head down thinking it was going to be another call, and they didn't call that one. So is that more frustrating, or is it more frustrating when the Suns are being called, like DeAndre Ayton on the other side, being called for a foul defensively? Is it Or is it just both, both of, of, of both worlds? Are you on mute, dude? One, it is both. But I think that it's it's when inconsistencies occur. Like, we've seen games in which they're just calling a foul every time. Look at the Baylor-UNC game yesterday at NCAA basketball. It's just like, you know, you know what kills the sport and kills people? Try, it's the one time the entire world is watching your sport and you're going to blow the whistle like 50 fucking times. You know, mm-hmm. it's the same thing in pro basketball. And, and again, I, I mentioned this last week where – we have a lot of casual friends who watch basketball. And when you bring up anything basketball related, the first thing they go to when you ask them why they don't watch regularly is they have, they're frustrated with the officiating. They're like, yeah, the officials are just too involved. You know, it's, it's an ego yeah. thing. They're, the referees bring their emotions into the game. And I feel like the Suns, because of the way that they play, because of the aggressiveness that they have, and the way that they respond to the referees is, they typically get on the bad side of officiating because of the likes of Devin Booker. Devin Booker's not, as we mentioned last week, Devin Booker's not Luka Doncic pandering like, hey, guys, like that was a foul. He was like, hey, that was a fucking foul. Like, so there's there's a little bit more aggressiveness, and they respond emotionally to what they see, and then it starts to go one-sided. Because you can't tell me it was a packed Golden 1 center that was swaying the way that they were thinking tonight. It, it, it wasn't. We There was a good crowd of sons faithful at this game and if you were one of them and you happen to be tuning into this podcast whether you're watching along live right now or you're listening to it later thank you for showing up there that, that was fantastic to see how many sons fans showed up there but i they, the fans alone did not sway the way that this this game was officiating things became personal and it's ridiculous that that happens it's ridiculous we talked about it before you know we're going to talk about a lot of the great performances some of the things that we saw in this game but i think it's only uh thomas dinette in the in the chat what, what did he just say he said, had the had the have the refs ref the refs yes yep. <laughs> you know and, I, and i've said it before and i'll say it again like there's no accountability system in this league for poor officiating and yeah. and to and to hear at the end of the game <laughs> to hear at the end of the game the uh after dem booker was uh fouled by trey lyles and and to hear the Sacramento crowd start chanting, you know, refs, you suck. I was like, oh, no, I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah. They do suck. It's just, are you guys oblivious to what's going on tonight? Like, your team is living at the free throw line. Yeah. The one thing that's keeping you in the game, every time the Suns would have a run, the referees would stop it. He gets smacked in the face. Refs, you suck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> both, both does. <laughs> so, I mean, 
you know, again, uh, somehow, some way, the Suns win. You know, and I think that that's we will remember game 58 as a drawn out overtime affair on a Sunday afternoon in which the Phoenix Suns couldn't get a call to save their lives. And on the other side of everything, somehow, some way they win the game. So that's what it comes down to 58 and uh, 14. We got 10 games to go. This was a big one. I don't know about you, but I, I felt this was a big one because the remaining schedule for the Phoenix Suns, they're playing uh, their, their competition's combined record is has a winning percentage of 55.3%. So they're definitely a lot of tough games ahead. So you, you want to pick up one of these games. And from a resiliency standpoint, uh, what the Suns executed today, again, should bode well for who this team is and what their future potentially could be. Yeah, and then also um, coming into this game, you know, I saw tweets too, and it's, it's totally right, where the Suns, probably just came into this game not caring as much. It's kind of like a half-assed attempt to win this game. It was still there, the energy a little bit, but it wasn't something to where they came in here. They're like, oh, we got we to gotta attack them fully head-on from the beginning to the end. They were just hung in the game, right? They just hung in the game till the end, and they gave themselves a chance. Yeah, and that's all. I mean, that's, that's really all it was. I feel well, like. that, well, no, it <laughs> yeah. is. That, well, and that's the sign of a great team, too. You know, I mean, again, this is like our third team squad. You know, t- mm-hmm. tell me what your thoughts were when you first heard that Alfred Payton would not be uh, or would be starting tonight. You know what? It, it's kind of weird because you would think I would be like, um, Holiday deserves it. Holiday deserves it from the way he's been playing. It was definitely, definitely weird. Uh, Alfred Payton, we talked last time I was on the pod because I skipped last pod. I talked about how Alfred Payton's the last guy on the bench that needs to get in the group before playoffs start. Let's see where he's at. And, but then also said too, like he might be a guy that might not even get any minutes in the playoffs. So why worry about it? And now he's starting. So it was weird. And if like you were to ask me, which one would I have uh holiday or Peyton starting? I don't really know. I don't really care. Cause I feel like Holly does a good job, but then there's some plays like, come on, Holly, like what the fuck are you doing? And then Peyton on the other side, offensively, just atrocious defensively, he 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 was there for some steals, but I don't know if it had to do with him giving the ball to the to the Kings and the Kings passing him the ball too because he kept passing the ball to the Kings. So like, oh, he must be on our team. So they pass it back. That's what it seemed like. What was going on there? Um, but for Payton to start, it seemed like a thing where it's like defensively you want him there, but then Holiday is a good defensive player. So I don't know what that is. I think it's just something to kind of get him going, like a Tory Craig situation, right? Where Craig came in, and then ever since then, dude, he's been playing lights out. So maybe that's what they hope this would do for Alfred Payton. It kind of backfired in a way, I felt like. No, I mean, it, it did offensively, as you mentioned. He was 0 for 3 from the field. He was 1 for 2 from the line, ended with 1 point in 18 minutes played. I mean, Aaron Holiday played 22 minutes over 18 from Alfred Payton. So I think the goal is to give Aaron Holiday the minutes uh, while Alfred, Alfred Payton is the one who gets the start. But to your point, from a defensive standpoint, he had three steals. He had two block shots. So Alfred Payton, defensively, is definitely quality offensively. He's atrocious. I mean, he had two bad passes. He had one pass where he just threw it to the opposition. They ran down Dante DiVincenzo hits a wide open three. And the next play, he's trying to run some semblance of a pick and roll. And he just bounces it right to Demontis Sabonis. He's like, and you're open. I was just like, Oh my God, Alfred. Like, (laughs) again, I think that our podcast is typically pro Alfred Payton because we recognize who he is what he's mm-hmm. capable of on both sides of the floor and what ultimately his role is like, he's the backup to the backup kind of to the backup point guard. Now that Aaron holidays here. So knowing that he's not really expected to do much, I think that we appreciate who he is because he is somebody who can play some defense and he can facilitate the offense at times. And he's somebody who, again, if you, if you're the backup to the backup to the backup point guard, you, there's not a lot of high expectations there. I thought the same thing when I saw he was getting the start today with Cameron Payne out. I was like, okay, this will be interesting. I bet Holiday will get more minutes, but Alfred Payton's going to be kind of the one who he's going to get that opportunity. I think Monty's given him a chance. You know that Gabriel Lundberg is uh, lurking, that he was signed and he's coming over to the team. And at some point, he's going to have an opportunity to play. And this might be Monty being like, hey, man, this is kind of your last chance. Like, go yeah. ahead, you know? Yeah. But you think that's bad, though? That kind of, I mean, it doesn't suck for him because he has an opportunity to play in the NBA, of course, and play for the Suns. But that's a lot of pressure, too, on him. Like, hey, of I'm course. starting, and everything I do on this court has me, I might not be on the, it's just, it's just a thing where he might not be on the team 
to start in playoffs. Like, to, well, he'll be he'll, he'll be on the team. He just won't get any minutes. There will be no okay. minutes. I was going to ask too. I'm like, is this something where we can drop him and then we add the new guy that we got over from uh, Ukraine? No, well, he's from Russia. Um, from Russia, my bad. Um, jeez, cut that from way off, way <laughs> yeah. off. Uh, wow, jeez. <laughs> That was actually um, no, no, no. They, they both could be on the playoff rosters. Um, I don't know if we can carry two way players onto the onto the playoff roster. In fact, I'm pretty sure we can. So that includes uh, Ish Wainwright as well. Uh, so okay. yeah, I don't think that he would actually be someone who we can carry over to the playoffs. And again, Alfred Payton, somebody I don't mind having as our backup to the backup from. And Mario Lopez is right. He's actually from Denmark. He was playing in the Russian league. So okay. we both suck. We suck. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Uh, so do the referees tonight. We're just following suit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, again, Alfred Payton, not the greatest performance. You knew that kind of coming in. And it was choppy early on. You could definitely see that Devin Booker was going to have to take over the playmaking duties in this game because Alfred Payton couldn't be the only guys he could pass to in purple were on the, for the Sacramento Kings. So in that first quarter, you saw more of Devin Booker taking over the facilitation role. Hell, in the first half, he, he did it just because... Aaron Holiday, or I'm sorry, Alfred Payton just couldn't get it done. He had uh, a couple turnovers in that first half. So Devin Booker, uh, only eight points in the first half, knowing that he had to facilitate this offense to try to get everything to run through him. And I think that he did an effective job of it as per usual. And, and when the time came for Devin Booker, you know, the Suns go down, they're down 10 points heading into halftime. And then that's when, you know, Devin Booker comes out and he goes, you know what, it, it, it's time for me to show up and show out. Big Dick Booker. Devin Booker in the third quarter, six of nine from the field, two for two from beyond the arc, five for five from the free throw line, 19 total points. And then he got hit with his fifth foul at the back end of that quarter. So he played the majority. He came out two quick fouls right off the bat, ticky tack bump fouls on Devin Booker, who clearly he, Davion Mitchell gets more respect than Devin Booker does. Yeah, the the respect thing, I don't know what to even say about that anymore, honestly, because it's a thing where it should be already earned by him, but it's not going to happen. I don't feel like maybe Tzul, he wins a championship. But um, I actually thought like kind of the other way in the third where he was trying to get in the ref's ears more. I know Monty was doing a good job of doing that throughout the whole game, but Book just made it known like, hey, like we're, we're getting murdered over here. We're not getting any calls. And then he started to draw fouls. He started to actually get to the line a few times and just get like side outs on the side, like, like ways to get back into the game. Cause obviously this game, like the offense, there was no flow to it. Really the only guy to come out there really is like Mikhail Bridges and Devin Booker too. But Mikhail Bridges is like the only other one that can really get his shot off wherever he wanted. But Booker struggled too, like to actually find himself by himself on isolation is not getting doubled all the time. Mm -hmm. So I think for him, he wanted to try to draw fouls. And I think before the game, they were talking about Booker was talking about getting his shot off and not drawing fouls or something because the playoffs are coming up. And he doesn't, I don't know if it's like, I don't want to get hurt or else I just want to focus on getting my shot up. I don't know what that was. But it seems like in the heat of the moment, Booker goes the other way where it's like, okay, well, we're not getting our shot offs, shot off. And then we're also just not getting good looks at the rim. So then the only way to get back in the game is to get the rest of attention and draw some fouls. So it seemed like that's what he tried to do later on. And that's like the competitive nature of Devin Booker when it's like, you know, what? I'm not going to, I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to draw some fouls going down the lane. But then now that we're losing and I want to win here, there's a hot chick in the front row and it's a sellout crowd. I want to win this game, dude. And then he does that. He he does exactly what the Suns need, kind of like a Chris Paul thing where he tries to get the, the refs' attention. And I love that, dude. That's just him growing right in front of our eyes. Well, again, it's cerebral basketball. And that's the, that's the growth thing is we're seeing, to your point, you know, I think the pregame talk was we really need to focus on getting to our spots and trying to hit those shots rather than trying to get fouls because in the playoffs, you just don't get those calls. That was kind of the conversation. Okay, okay. They didn't get those calls tonight either. But to that point, he did have an opportunity to put the Kings in a situation that was uh, conducive of drawing fouls. I mean, he was driving to the rim and actually creating contact. Uh, and at the same time, he was getting those foul calls in that third quarter. And I think part of it is because he came out, he had those two quick fouls. And as you said, he started working the referees a little bit. And like, come on, guys, mm -hmm. like, like, watch what's happening to me. And for like, it, it always happens with Devin Booker. It's like, he has to earn every foul call, every free throw Booker has to earn 
And it always worries me because he hits the floor a lot. I mean, you saw it in the fourth quarter where he uh, maybe it was overtime where he went to the rim and he went down and, you know, he got hit. Oh, it was, yeah, it was fourth quarter when the refs you suck happened. He got hit in the head and he's on the ground. It's just like he takes a beating and he doesn't get a lot of foul calls. And I watch a lot of basketball and I see a, I see the superstar treatment around the league. And I just don't know why uh, he doesn't get that respect. And again, I, I think it comes down to the way he addresses the, the referees, the way he talks to him, the looks that he gives him or gives them is that, you know, it, it, he draws, he, he throws those killer looks at him. Like, fuck you. Like he says, fuck you with his eyes. And that's what he did with his game in the third quarter. And for those who don't want to put Devin Booker on any MVP list, like just go play the third quarter. I know it's against the Kings, but the team was down 10 and all the odds are stacked against them. Uh, Jay Crowder goes down in that quarter. I mean, every reason they had every reason to just throw up their hands, and say, fuck it. This game's a loss. We're already on our way to the number one seed in the Western conference. And in the NBA, we have no desire or need to continue trying to compete in this game. Let's just run Ish Wayne right out there with Alfred Payton and let them try to run pick and rolls and let's lose by 30. Like, it doesn't matter. It didn't matter. But Devin Booker in that third quarter put on his MVP pants and started dropping shots all over the place, getting to the line, as you mentioned, affected the game on both sides of the floor. Uh, but no one, will, no one will give a shit because no one ever gives a shit about Devin Booker or the Suns. Yeah, even if he were to hit that game winner at the end of the game with eight seconds left and that yeah. was actually a game winner. No one cares. Kidding? I know they're, they're like, well, the Kings. The Kings What's know? another the whole excuse thing where we keep hearing, especially for Devin Booker and the Suns, it's excuses after excuses all the time, right? Like, what is the point? Like I said earlier, we're playing these games and all we do is talk about the refs now again. And then now if the Suns win, um, there's always excuses to why. It's like, so then why are we even playing these games? Like, of course, if you win the championship, that's that's the thing that you want to have on your resume, right? As Devin Booker be like, all right, well, I still want it. But still, there was this. But this happened. But this happened. So, you know what? I don't know. At this at this point, it's like there's so many excuses all the time, and I just I get sick of hearing them. I just I do, and I just can't wait for the Suns win the championship this year. Well, that's why Devin Booker said it best: "If ifs were fifths, we'd all be drunk." Exactly. Yeah. You know, and it's such good, a yeah. it's such a poignant statement that he made. You know, because it's mm-hmm. true. It's like you can give me a million what ifs, but at the end of the day. This team, and, and again, no one will notice what happened here in, in Sacramento or happened there in Sacramento tonight. No one will notice it. Devin Booker, 31 points, seven rebounds, five assists, 52% for field goal percentage, six fouls. You know, not, nice try, NBA. Nice try on, on having the, the Phoenix Suns lose. One of those refs must have had an over-under or something. You know, they definitely had the spread. That doesn't happen. Uh, It never (laughs) happens. Yeah, you know. But it's just unbelievably impressive the way that this team has navigated itself to 58 and 14. You know, they're the best Mm -hmm. team in the league. Uh, Through 72 games last season, they were 51 and 21. Through 72 games this year, they're 58 and 14. And, you know, it it begs the question, how is Monty Williams not coach of the year? He's going to be. He should be. No, he will for sure. Yeah, I I hope so. Mm-hmm. I hope so. Uh, there's no doubt. That's like the one award the Suns have locked down for sure. Well, I, I felt like if the Cavs continue to play well, that their coach mm. would win Coach of the Year. Uh, but that kind of they fell off. They they've fallen off a little bit post All Star break. Mm-hmm. You can't give it to anybody in Philly or or Brooklyn. Um, no, I mean, could Jason Kidd get it in Dallas because? Everyone loves sucking off Luca, or no? Because Luca's gonna win MVP, right? He showed up for the last half of the year, and the 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 Mavericks are like the, what the fourth seed now or fifth seed, so he's gonna win MVP. So he already has that. So then, um, I don't know. The thing is, the way that Monty's been this year, everyone's actually noticed it. And he should have won last year. That's why he's gonna win this year. It's kind of mm-hmm. like how you know Embiid hasn't won it yet, the MVP. And I don't know if Embiid's actually even gonna win it this year now. The way yeah, things are going. So it, the way the way that last year went with Thibodeau, Thibodeau winning, Monty's going to win. He's going to win this year because of making up for last year. And I just wish, again, they throw a little bit of respect on this team's name because it sucks that Monty Williams at, at, in, pre- pes- in press conferences after each game has <laughs> yeah. to have that discussion. It's like, why do we get no respect? Why, are the, why is this free throw disparity so big with – you know, I mean, I, he just doesn't get it, and I don't get it. Uh, again, this is a team that I think they're what twenty seventh in the league in free throw attempts, but 
I'll tell you, I'll tell you one guy who came up, uh, came and showed out in this game. There's two guys who did. I'll start with this guy. The Warden. Mikhail Bridges, uh, a sneaky great game. A sneaky great game for him. He had 27 points, which was second on the team to Devin Booker's. He was 9 of 18 from the field. He was 2 for 6 from beyond the arc. 7 of 8 from the free throw line. He's the one, you know, him and Devin Booker are the only two guys who got to the line. Uh, four assists, had a couple steals, but he had a sneaky great game. Like all of a sudden, they're like, and there's Mikhail Bridges. That was his 24th point. I was like, what? Mikhail's got 24. Where'd that come from? Yeah. And also in the first quarter, he was 0 for 3. So then I was thinking, like, in usually I don't think of that as a negative anymore for Mikhail because I know he can come and spurt. Yes. Kind of like Devin Booker in a way where he can score, he can have his quarters. And that's what he did tonight in the fourth quarter, right? Four for six. And a lot of them, of course, were actually all of them were in the paint and under the rim. The way he can get around these guys, he knows that no one can stop him at the rim playing against Sacramento. He even used like his right arm going left to get up and under yeah. guys. Yeah. Like, so I love that he's doing that. Of course, I love the three. But when he knows that the Suns need to get a shot, he makes sure that he goes in the paint. And he's not always going to make them all. But now that he does attempt so many of them, and now that he is so efficient, I think all of them are going to go in. I think that anytime he's taken over, I'm like, yes, Mikhail has a ball. It's a weird feeling now to have the offense in his hands to be like the number one guy. Even when Booker's on the floor, Mikhail can be the number one guy. And he is. like He's a guy I'm very comfortable with having the ball and crunch time situations i mean of course booker i want him to have the ball mm -hmm. but when it comes down to certain times in the game when it's like booker just you can tell even in the fourth quarter he didn't get his first shot to the game winner almost with eight seconds left i just know mikhail can be that other guy to help him out and i trust him all the time now no i i do too and that's what happens when you he's you're scotty pippen you know yeah. you trust him and you believe in him and i think that when Booker fouled out of this game. I was like, well, we still got Mikhail. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, yeah, totally, that's true. you know, and, and kudos to him. 50 minutes played tonight. 5-0 for Mikhail. I mean, this guy is not only a force on the offensive end, a force on the defensive end, but he's just always out there. I mean, if you're the opposition, you're just sitting there like, dude, can, will this guy sit down so we have a chance defensively? I don't know. I just... Kudos to him for his 27 points in 50 minutes. It's nice knowing that the Suns don't play again till Wednesday, so he gets a couple nights off because he's going to need it, man. Did he play 40 last game too? I, I feel like he that's did. Right. He always yeah. plays a ton of minutes, man. He always yeah. plays a ton of minutes. Uh, Thomas Danette, one of our elite jamsters, provided $5 in the Super Chat. We appreciate that, Thomas. Uh, if you're watching along live, you can join again by hitting the Join button, and you can donate via the Super Chat. Uh, he says, question, since running out of... Since running out of runway on players, Zona said cut Kaminsky to make a rooster spot. I know you meant roster. A roster spot before the players instead of losing any point guards. Matthew, what's your thought on that? Again, I'll say it again for those of you who didn't understand me. We're running out of players. Zona from Solar Panel Podcast said cut Kaminsky to make a roster spot for uh, another point guard. Thoughts? Um, it's tough because I mean, last year, what was our thing? Why we didn't win? It was because of our bigs. So, I mean, if we want to try to predict who's going to be hurt and where they're going to be hurt, like that's, that's tough to say. Yeah, um, yeah. Kaminsky, I think has earned a lot of respect from Suns fans in a way to where if he was cut, that'd be like the least Suns thing to do this year. Yes. Like Kaminsky for something. I think overall, yeah, of course, if we need a point guard due to injury, but I don't think that's going to be the case with Chris Paul coming back. But Kaminsky, I just our, our our hearts would melt, right? If he were to be cut, I think that would just ruin any kind of any kind of momentum going into the playoffs for Suns fans. <laughs> you know, we we have a thing here called Suns culture, and that is against Suns culture, right, Matthew? I mean, Frank Kaminsky, what he's meant to this team, yeah, the great. It's like cutting Dario. I mean, you see these guys on the sidelines cheering their team on. Somebody will hit the ground; they're run over there trying to help them up. I mean. Do I feel like we'll need backup point guards and things like that when we hit the playoffs? No. Alfred Payton right now is, in my opinion, our fourth string point guard. Behind Devin Booker, you have Landry Shamit. And I feel like you can never have enough bigs because if we get in those series where we have to bang bodies against the bigs, and if Frank is somehow healthy, which is possible, he could come back and be healthy, he's good for six fouls. Throw him out there. Beat the shit out of Giannis. 
You can't do that with the point guard, man. Can't do that. So uh, it's definitely a valid observation. I just think that uh, I would keep Frank Kaminsky and uh, Mario Lopez just said it in the chat. He says, cut Peyton, point sham God, which brings me to another drop. If I could just find it. I've buried it so deep. All I can say is sham. Wow. Landry Shamit, bro. Landry fucking Shamit. 31 minutes played, 7 for 11 from the field, including 5 of 9 from beyond the arc, 21 total points, including a massive three-pointer in overtime. He was the offense. Thoughts on Landry Shamit, man? I mean, he's earned his 40 mil a year, I think. He definitely has on this game. I mean, it it took a while, but... uh... He's the guy to step up. I mean, with all the fouls, Booker going, it's like, who's going to step up? Who's going to hit the big shot? You know, when Shamit shot that corner three, I believed in it. I believed that it would go down, and, and he had a good game. He really did. And I think that the way he's been playing as of late really shows that he can be that guy. Like, you just mentioned him to back up Book going to the playoffs. We weren't saying that two weeks ago at all about, you know, who's going to back up Book, who's going to be even Shamit playing the point. You know, it's kind of fun to watch, right? The ball handler that I didn't even know about till maybe a few weeks ago too. Um, but his uh, his body language was always better. And I think it just really led to him really believing himself. He has a few dumb plays. Like him and DA tonight, there's a few times where they have balls, the ball in certain situations. And they kind of just pass out when they have yes. a good looking at the shot, but then he didn't pass out of that dunk, that huge. Yeah, dunk that was massive. Like, that was awesome to watch. Cause the first time he kind of had like the same kind of angle and he passed out of it. This time he just dunked it. <laughs> it was amazing, man. Great game no, for it, him. Yeah, it was a f- fantastic game. Seeing that dunk. I mean, that was at the end of regulation and that was a, that was a crucial play and it was his aggressiveness. And to your point, not passing out of it. And the, the growth continues. The hope is there. The skills there. We always know the skills there. It's just getting the consistency down. That has been a struggle thus far for Landry Shamit this season. But one thing that he's done in the past, you know, about 10 games is he's really started to, as you mentioned, and as we've observed a few times, he's really starting to gain that confidence in himself. And in doing so, when Devin Booker and everybody else get fouls out of this game, Landry Shamit has no issue stepping in there and taking those shots. He almost, I want to say he necessarily welcomes it, uh, but he's ready. I mean, they, they drew up the play for him coming out of the timeout and he executed it flawlessly and perfectly uh, got wide open, hit that corner three, you know, and it's one of the things that uh, Monty Williams drew up the play and, and he was ready to go. You know, he, he was definitely a hundred percent ready to take that shot. If you look at Landry Shamit in his last 10 games coming into this, uh, 9.9 points, uh, 2.1 assists, but the key is 43.4% from beyond the arc. That's the last 10 games. You add this game where he went 5 of 9, and that's going to jump even more. That's the Landry Shamit that the Suns are paying $10 million a year, not $40 million a year, Matthew. $10 million <laughs> a year. That's what they're they're doing. Felix says it in the chat. Sham trust. You know, I mean, it, it's weird to say it, and we still have a lot. We still have 10 games to go and the playoffs to go. But you want Landry Shaman to start peaking as you enter the playoffs uh, versus the other way around, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what he's doing, dude. It's crazy. All players are hitting on all cylinders right now. And we're going to get into some talks of like when's rest going to start and all that bullshit. But right now, dude, they're playing lights out. Well, I don't know when rest is going to happen because this team just doesn't like it's to not rest. Happen. You know, it's just, it's I not don't think their, it's going to happen. It's not in their mentality, you know? You, you you like to them take a couple plays off and then you could at least go, well, you know, we yeah. lost to the Wolves. Oh, well. It'll be games like this, though, right? Where they just come out and they kind of play, you know, we're here. Well, but we that's showed up. What, that's what court. tonight was, though. Like the last two yeah. games, it was Jay Crowder. Tonight it's campaign. And again, I don't think that he's necessarily, he's overly sick. It's like, hey, here's a chance to give him some rest. He's been carrying the team. He's been putting up Chris Paul type numbers since Chris Paul went down. Give this guy a, a night off in Sacramento against a team that is without De'Aaron Fox and who has Davion Mitchell starting, a rookie. So we'll give him the night yeah. off. And, you know, kudos to Davion Mitchell. Career high, 28 points in this game. Looked really uh, frisky, really fast. That guy's fast, man. Uh, 28 total points, 9 to 22 from the field, had nine assists as well. 
What do you see from Davion Mitchell? And do you think that the trade of Tyrese Halliburton is justified because they have a young talent like a Davion Mitchell? It's so it's so weird how weird. Excuse me, dude. It is weird. It's so we'll just weird. edit that out. <laughs> I don't know how you edit that one out. Uh, anyways, it is weird how like the narrative changes, right? With you know that Halliburton trade, which we both honestly we were both really surprised by it. Now you see the talent that they had behind Fox and Fox, of course, being out tonight. But even Fox himself is like averaging, well, almost 30 points a game or something. They're not winning, of course. Right. But yes. this is about the future. Davion Mitchell, I'm like trying to think of like who is who is who can I compare him to? I don't know, really, but he's really aggressive. That dunk that he wanted to throw down on McGee. Yeah. Like things like that. You see, it's like, OK, this guy's for real. Offensive he almost foul. got to go down to. Yeah, it was an offensive foul. <laughs> but him, how quick he gets to the rim. I always want to say these guys that are like smaller, you know, they're a little bit bulkier. They can move guys around. They remind me of like an Eric Bledsoe. That's exactly who I was thinking. I know. (laughs) Like I always say that, but with the better body language and yeah, I've just, I I like the dude. I didn't know till now. Right. Well, so I was in Sacramento uh, in Folsom, California for like five weeks. And I went to a couple games or I went to a game and I saw David Mitchell in person. And yeah, I was right there with you. I'm like, this kid is, he reminds me kind of like Eric Bledsoe. He's got some physicality to him. He's got a quickness to him. Uh, he He's explosive. He was like a young Eric Bledsoe. Like the first couple years, Eric Bledsoe was with the Suns and the years prior to that when he was with the Clippers. And I'm the same way. Like I hate trying to compare him uh, to anybody because I always end up on Eric Bledsoe. Uh, Hitman X says in the chat, Mitchell equals Drew Holiday. Okay. I can I could definitely see that. He, he does have yeah. a holiday maybe a little bit smaller, right? Obviously, yeah, he's yeah. he's more yeah. like an Aaron Holiday, I would say, than a Drew, because I don't feel like oh, he's okay. as he's nearly as locked in on defense, but he has a lot of those similar qualities. And he he was he was carrying the team. I mean, DeMontis Sabonis did get hurt in this game. He bumped knees with Mikhail Bridges and was out. And when the overtime period came, it was Davion Mitchell who was providing the majority of the scoring for the team. Yeah, he he ended it in that final uh, the 14 points that the Kings scored in the overtime. Uh, David Mitchell, he's the one who had six of him. It was six from him and five from Trey Lyles. And then, you know, fucking old man, Damian Jones, man. Damian Jones hit a three in this game. Like, I know we, we should have lost this game. This team came out. <laughs> all the calls are going their way. They're hitting yeah. threes from Damian Jones. I'm like, we're going to lose this game. We're down 10 yeah. at halftime. I'm like, you know, a son's. You know a Suns comeback is coming because that's just what happens with the Phoenix Suns. But you're like, dude, Damian Jones is hitting threes? Yeah, when that happens, you think the Suns would lose the game. Uh, I think that was like early in the game too when he hit that one. But it always seems like Damian Jones always has a few good plays against the Suns. And then all, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, he kind of falls apart. His mechanics are just not there at all. He can't really keep up with the Suns' offense offensively. And you just see why the Suns don't have him. I mean, he's in the NBA. He's obviously a good player. But man, he just can't stand with the Suns. A lot of these players can't with the Sacramento Kings, and obviously that's why the Suns won. Well, yeah, and that's obviously why the, the <laughs> Sacramento Kings, you know, Kings. now and yeah, now they sit at what like twenty five and forty eight. I mean, they're yeah. just, you know, uh, they're that team, man. They're the Kings. Uh, what else did I have in my notes? Oh, I didn't take notes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you were what is in the your game, notes. Right? Yeah, yeah, I wrote about the game. So what's uh, our, what's in your notes, Matthew? Well, we did talk about well McGee. Obviously, his start, his fourth oh, well, quarter let's, game. Well, let's drop it. Let's drop it. I mean, if we're there. Double O McGee. There we go. The double O McGee drop. All right, Matthew. What's oh. it? <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> yeah. So. I just I love how McGee could just he'll take over games and I love his last foul that was a goaltending. Didn't he put his hand inside the rim? It's what it looked like. Shot? Yeah. And they did they they called they it. Called it. Yeah, they called it. They did. Okay. It. Yeah, yeah. So I love that part. I know it sucks the Suns. It was a tie ball game after that, but things like that. I don't know why I'm so into the way he just goes out with a bang, right? Goaltending just like shoves a guy to the ground and he just like walks off the court. Yeah, he's like, well, whatever. I'm done. Yeah, it's 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 a foul. That that's a foul. But he takes over games offensively. Like he had like the Statue of Liberty carry all the way to the rim a few times where, and he would like maneuver his body around these defenders, get the lay-ins and stuff, and the end ones. 
Like he took over the game with for like five minutes in the fourth, where like no yeah, one could stop overtime. McGee. It was like it Point was, McGee almost. Oh, in oh, overtime, yeah, overtime. Yeah. And he had, he had six points in overtime, and in the fourth quarter, I'm trying to pull it up real quick. He had where am I at? Javale McGee. He had four, so he had ten points in the overtime slash. Uh, fourth quarter he ended with 14 points and you're right yeah he took over once we lost uh deandre ayton mcgee came in he had five fouls too because everyone had five fouls in this game yeah, yeah and he was effective and it's just like a, a great game by mcgee a great way to again that's the power of the suns team is you go <laughs> ta fouls out mcgee fouls out and the bismack comes in and then he provides some quality defense as well. Not a ton of offense, but it was nice to see him again. Biz. Biz. Oh, my God. There was one play where he got ISO'd on Davion Mitchell. Davion Mitchell faked right, went left, saw that he kind of had McGee try the same exact move. McGee, or I'm, I'm sorry, Bismack half blocked it. And it was a missed shot. That was a big possession in the overtime period. So, the, the depth of the bigs for this team was huge. Uh, I hijacked your McGee Statue of Liberty observation. Anything else on that? No, that was it. Honestly, in the Bismack, and you were talking about the one possession. That's the way this game was. It was like, yeah, it's possession by possession almost every night, but not really. Like This was like you had to really analyze each possession really carefully defensively with these guys. Like You had to make sure, or they had to make sure, excuse me, that – they were in certain spots defensively, like Biombo was, but even offensively, he seemed like he was still there. Kind of the zero for one, that was an in and out shot. So I didn't expect so much offensively, but like you're right, defensively, he he doesn't ever look like a center out there. He looks like he can move like mm -hmm. a four, right, more like that. But he can play against the centers just like anybody else. Basically, that's coming off the bench in the league. That's Biombo. He can play against anybody that, that's at that's at the center position. I think from the bench not like starting in the nba but he can oh, keep up man he can definitely keep up no without a doubt and again it's something that is going to bode well for this team in the playoffs because we can play in so many different ways and we've done so all season obviously when the playoffs occur it's a totally different ball game because there's adjustments and adjustments to the adjustments and then you yeah. readjust to those adjustments and those adjustments on top of that and then you're adjusting your nuts and i think that when you have somebody like mcgee and somebody like bismack behind deandre ayton it really bodes well because if they, anyone wants to try to play big against you you can dominate them if anybody wants to play small against you you can dominate them as well Watch. Real quick on eight and watch. I don't want to spend too much time here, but six fouls, 12 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, he, again, a victim of horrible officiating, in my opinion. He, this was a game where he was aggressive on the boards. He was being as proactive as he could, but ultimately the referees only allowed Dev, or I'm sorry, DeAndre Ayton to play 27 total minutes in this game. He was five for six from the field. He just couldn't get it going because they called everything on him. The only issue I had with Aiden was there was a couple times pr just prior to him fouling out, two possessions mm -hmm. prior, where he the ball was passed down to him and he passed out of it twice. And that was with like a minute and a half to go. And it's like, DA, that's where we needed you. And then ultimately he got the – he decided to step up on an offensive rebound attempt, put Damian Jones in the back and got his sixth foul. Yeah, and that little hook shot he has is so automatic. It's so yeah. disappointing where he doesn't – just lift lift off on that like he has to make sure that in the future this doesn't happen i mean it's it's a thing where shamit does this a lot but that's excusable i guess because shamit doesn't play as much as Aiden. Aiden's in there all the time like he should be in the groove by then to where he just takes the ball puts it on the floor maybe once and gets a hook shot off whether he makes it or not it doesn't matter it's a good looking shot whoever was down there defending him much smaller uh, doesn't even matter. No one could defend this dude. Um, but you just see how different it is from watching Vucevic tonight before and it's Sabonis tonight offensively and now the, the games on the block between those three, how DA is just so much better. Like those oh, other yeah. guys are so pixelated and just so weird to watch. It's it's hard to watch offensively. I mean, Sabonis is a great passer, but dude, DA is just like light years ahead of those guys offensively down there. Um, but yeah, I think the Suns kind of went away from him too. They were just jacking up threes in the first yeah. quarter a lot. DA had the they had the option with him down there, and they just kind of avoided him. And that's the thing that we always talk about. But they definitely did in the first. They settled for a lot of threes. I saw a statistic somewhere on Twitter, and it was the hook shot that DeAndre Ayton makes. I think he's made it like 81 times this year. 
and he's dunked a total of 83. So it's like he almost has the same amount of dunks as he does little jump hook shots, and they're both just as effective. So, you know, kind of to your point, the Suns go to wait, go away from him at times, and I get it. Yeah. The flow of an offense, you're trying to get everyone involved. You're trying to take advantage of what the defense is getting you or giving you. And in doing so, you might jack up some threes. But there, there's yet to be that one game where the Suns just go, you know what? We're getting DA 40. Hell, we're getting him 50. Because he could. He really could. To And if you, would, if you tried that, and maybe we'll see this in the last 10 games, where the Phoenix Suns go, you know what? We're just going to feed the big fella. And if the defenses start trapping him, he's going to pass out of it, and then we're going to hit those open threes. But those possessions that you're referencing where the, the Suns are simply just shooting threes, it's like the ball doesn't even touch DA. It's not like they go inside and uh, the double team comes from the weak side, so he passes out of it, and now we've got a wide open three. No, they just pass around the perimeter and hit a three. So, again, I think that DA is somebody who has definitely been increasing his engagement as the playoffs loom. And I was excited to see his matchup against Sabonis tonight. It was again, frustrating that it was taken from him. Some of his own volition. I mean, he did make a couple bad fouls, but some of them were unbelievably ticky tack that again, I feel like it was not fair. It was not consistent. It was, you know, Sabonis was throwing his big head, that big Saboner head of his, that big <laughs> old was, yeah. fucking caveman noggin that he's got he was throwing it all over the place down on the block and they weren't calling anything uh but vice versa it, you know it's just oh, it's a bonus man guy annoys me mm-hmm. sorry big titan head i'm very sorry yeah it, seriously it's like this massive dome ski so but really quick he's like the happiest player right offensively yeah. ah. he was he was laughing the whole game dude he's, he's having, having a great old time man him and Tory Craig laughing it up and stuff, but he was laughing after everything. So. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, look Could've at that! that I found right? that guy." Well, like there was that one play where he, where he where he hooked Da. Yeah. He turned, was yeah. falling down, hooked Da to stay up, and they called a foul on Da. And he's just like, <laughs> "I'm having a great old fucking time." Yeah, oh, fuck him. <laughs> Jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters, a reminder. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Hit that thumbs up button while you're here. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review, a five-star review. We'll read it right here on the podcast. And if you happen to be on our YouTube channel, click the Join button to become an Elite Jamster to get exclusive content like the next one we will be releasing probably sometime a little bit later this week. That is our Start, Bench, and Trade Every Phoenix Sun Who Wore the Jersey Number 1. I'm going to re-release that one, Matthew, so let's go. Uh, Matthew, I'll let you go first. Who is your jam? Star of the game it is going to be Landry Long John Shamit. It's a good try. It's a good try. Damn it. That did not work. Damn it. Yeah. What would you do for Shamit? Oh, it's easy. It's it's, it's Long Schlong. Long Schlong? Yeah. yeah you go Landry okay. Long Schlong Slamit. Yeah, I was thinking about Long John Silvers. Have you ever eaten at a Long John Silver's? I did. We used to eat there all the time, man. No hush shit. Puppies? Yeah, hush puppies were the thing. I've sure. never been there. I worked like right across the street from one for like six years. Do you know what never... a hush puppy is? Of course I know what a hush puppy is. Oh, okay. I, I was a cook in the army for 10 years. I know what hush puppies are. <laughs> but like there was never once where I was like, you know what? I'm hungry. It's lunchtime. Let me walk across the street and get some Long John Silver's. <laughs> you know, not, not once. Not it's once. Good, man. Uh, a lot of the Jamsters are giving Landry Shamit some love. I'm going to give it to Landry Shamit as well. He's come full circle. He hit that huge three uh, in overtime that ultimately put the Suns up, and they never relinquished that lead. Uh, kudos to Landry Shamit. I also, for those of you who follow me on Twitter, you'll see what I posted being at uh, Fry's yesterday. They have this big, beautiful display Uh at fries of you know they're selling like coke and and such mm-hmm. and there's landry shamit right in the middle yeah it's i not, saw that it's it, it's not devin booker it's not deandre ayton it's landry shamit and uh booker, booker would never endorse cola dude it's bad for you you think that's what it is you think it's it's no i'm kidding i don't know well i just i was like trying to figure it out i'm like why how did landry get that <laughs> Maybe love. they thought it was Booker. That's a disrespect we have with Booker, dude. Maybe they thought that was him. Like, I think that's him. 
<laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Coca-Cola got it wrong. They're like, oh, man. Oops. Yeah, let's see here. Um, I wonder if I can open this image. I, I want to share this with the jamsters okay. just so they can see exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, unless you're listening, then you're just like, um, Voida, can you shut up? Because you're not showing us or sharing anything and we can't see anything. Uh, but for those of you who like to shop at Fry's in the greater Phoenix area, you can walk in, you can go up to the mini soda section, and this is what you'll see. You'll see Thirst for Yours, Phoenix, and it's got DeAndre Ayton, Cameron Johnson right in the middle. It's Landry Sham. It's like they knew that he was going to be the guy who was going to get the jam star of tonight. So kudos to you, Landry Shamit. Next up for the Phoenix Suns, a team that I believe has won 10 of their last 11, if I'm not mistaken, Matthew. And that is the Minnesota Timberwolves, yeah. uh, a yeah. team that has definitely come out of the all-star break, firing on all cylinders. They're marching their way through the uh, back end of the standings. They now hold the seventh seed in the uh, the Western Conference. They are a half game behind the Denver Nuggets for that sixth seed. And that's obviously a big deal. Uh, the sixth seed, you're not in the play-in. The seventh seed, you are. So teams are jockeying for position right there. What are your thoughts on the Minnesota Timberwolves, a team that's only lost twice since the All-Star break? Oh, I'm very happy for them, dude. Honestly, there's, uh, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, Carl Anthony Towns fan in me. I, I've always been a fan of his. So for him to actually start playing some meaningful basketball, it's about time, right? I mean, this guy was always going to be traded out of there, I thought, or they were going to get somebody else over there to help him out. But it turns out, dude, he put some effort into it. This team is actually pretty good. Pat Bev is, I think, that spark that they have. And, of course, he's annoying as hell. But that's what yeah, this it kind seemed of like shoved needs, Serge Ibaka right? the other day. Five yeah, minutes. and, you know, it's it's awful to watch. But that's what this team needs. This team needs Patrick Beverly to be shoving people in the back, right? I think they <laughs> do. They need that to, to light a fire under their ass to win these kind of games where – they would lose last season where, you know, they, they're close games, but then they can pull them out towards the end. And now they're doing that before they would just, you know, fold in the end because they can't rebound because they can't play defense. So it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be a tall task for the Suns. Like you said, yes. playing for that sixth seed is huge. You don't want to play the Lakers. Well, Lakers are where they're supposed to be, 10th seed right now. So they got the Suns where they want them. So I won't worry about them, honestly. Well, and and the Lakers and... Uh, the Pelicans. Yeah, play the Pelicans. Okay. It'll be interesting. So... I'll start off with this. The Minnesota Timberwolves are the highest scoring team in the NBA. They score 115.5 points per game. They take and make the most three-pointers in the NBA. Uh, offensive rating 6, defensive rating 12th, net rating 8th. So this is a quality basketball team that the Phoenix Suns are going to travel and play on Wednesday. Again, they take 41.7 three-pointers a game. Uh, from a free-throw standpoint, they take the seventh-most free-throw attempts. So this is a team that the way that they get their points is they hit threes, and then they attack the rim and get to the line. Uh, it makes sense. You have Anthony Edwards. You have Carl Anthony Towns. you got two players who can do bo both of those things. They can hit threes, and then they can attack the rim uh, and get to the line. So that's definitely something that, we should all expect as we prepare for this game, it's hard to come off of a game against the Sacramento Kings in which the Phoenix Suns, again, were called for 30 different personal fouls. And now you're going against a team that makes a living off of putting you in foul trouble and then hitting threes. So I guess I'm talking to my future self right now and be like, John, don't be so frustrated with the officiating in this game because this is what they do. This is what they do. It's when the Kings are getting away with it. That's bullshit. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if I expect to win in this one. I really don't. I see it could, the. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Um, I was gonna say it could be. Uh, I don't know if Booker's really making a run for MVP, but just saying, man, this is one word like you're about to say. It might be a loss. These are games if Booker wins, his chances go up for an MVP conversation. Conversation, yeah. I mean, he's yeah. not gonna he's not gonna get over Giannis, uh, Jokic, <laughs> or Embiid. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, you won't get your money. But at the same time. <laughs> As I mentioned, this is a team in the Timberwolves that is hungry. They're fighting uh, for an opportunity to not be in the play-in. They play tomorrow against Dallas, and then they play the Suns. So they're priming up for the for the playoffs just as we are, and they're doing everything they can to try to avoid being in a situation where they have to have a, a play-in game. Now, granted, if you're the seven seed, if you lose, then you play the winner of the 
nine, 10 games. So you have to essentially lose twice if you're the seven seed, not to get into the playoffs. But at the same time, you'd rather just take the time off. So it'll be interesting to see how this game unfurls. If the Suns can somehow pull this off, that's highly impressive. That'd be win number 59, which is unfucking believable. And yeah. still, no one will give the Suns credit. Anything else you want to add to this podcast before we get out of here today, Matthew? No, I think we uh, drug ourselves through this one. It was a very weird, long-ass game. Right? Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> and now indeed. our Sunday's over. Yeah, Sunday's done. Time Thanks to go back to work. Um, well, again, Jamsters, we appreciate you hanging out with us, whether you're listening along live or watching along live or uh, feeling along live, smelling, tasting along live, whatever sense you're <laughs> utilizing to consume this podcast, we appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review if you're watching along mm-hmm. On YouTube, hit that thumbs up button. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please go click the five stars, write us a little review. We'll read it here on the podcast. If you happen to be on Google Podcasts, I don't know if they have any rating. If you're on Spotify, they have a rating system and you can Google Podcasts, huh? Google Podcasts, yeah. You ever gone to Google Podcasts? You uh-huh. used to be, you used to be an Android guy. Yeah, I used to be. Mm-hmm. No, I never yeah, used that. Okay. Yeah. You got bullied. You got bullied into an iPhone, didn't you? I did, just like everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, looking real quick, no ru- um, no new reviews. Nope, no new reviews. So on that note, Jamsters, again, we'll see you on Wednesday night. And again, if you want to, if if you miss us, we'll put out something for the elite Jamsters out there. So until then, all right, yeah. take care, and everyone go home and love your family. <laughs> <laughs>